Hello, everybody, and welcome to AJ's Side Panel. I'm your host, AJ. This episode is a crazy episode. I went and saw six films, so we have a lot to cover. Uh, we're going to be talking about Cult Pursuit, The Prodigy, The Lego Movie 2, What Men Want, Alita Battle Angel, and Happy Death Day to You. That's right, six films. I have no life. I believe we've established that, because not only do I see movies, I talk about them to myself. That's right. Now, who's worse? The guy that has all this time to do this stuff or the people listening to him? And you have your answer. Going forward, uh, let's, let's get started. We have a lot of films to talk about. Six movies. Yes. Oh, my gosh. The first one coming up is Cold Pursuit, or as I like to refer it, Liam Neeson in Snow. Because right now, let's be honest with you, with, the, with ourselves, uh, Liam Neeson movies, you don't really need a title. You just be like, Liam Neeson, kids got kidnapped, the, the second one, you know, or, or uh, last year I saw his movie, uh, um, Liam Neeson on a train, you know, and, and I saw, what was it, the, the first movie I ever recognized Liam Neeson in was uh, uh, Rob, Rob Roy. Liam Neeson is an Irish guy in a kilt. You know, or Liam Neeson in a kilt. That's all you got to say, and people will recognize you. Liam Neeson, the Jedi, you know. <laughs> He's gotten to that point where you just don't need to say the title of his films anymore. You just describe, uh, you just say Liam Neeson 2019, and <laughs> that's the that's what we're talking about here. Um, so uh, let's get started with Cold Pursuit, shall we? Uh, Liam Neeson uh, in the snow. Uh, now... I thought that much like all of his other films that, that he has, it's uh, Liam Neeson would be just killing folks in the snow and going crazy like someone would wrong him and he would just go and kill people in the snow. And uh, I was somewhat correct in it, um, except that there's a little bit more to it that they don't explain. And, uh, I mean, the trailers show that he obviously had a death uh, in his family, and that's why he goes on this rampage to uh, avenge the, the this death. And what you don't know, though, is that this is really like a real black comedy. Um, the serious parts of the film happen within, I'd say, the first 10, 15 minutes. After that, it's kind of silly. Uh, he comes across as this guy who is a... He's a snowplower out in Colorado, and, you know, he drives the plow and plows the road. He's the guy you always complain about. He's uh, Homer Simpson, for lack of a better term. So somebody uh, comes along and hurts Bart, and he goes on the killing spree. And that's pretty much what it feels like when you're watching the film. You're watching him be an amateur at getting revenge. And so it stops being... Um, an intense film and turns into this what fun, funny stuff is going to happen next. Um, now, it doesn't take away from the film. I'm not telling you this so that it will deter you. I thought it was really, really cool and original, and I enjoyed seeing it. Uh, it reminded me of movies like Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag, um, you know, along that vein. Uh, so I enjoyed it, but it's not what I was walking into. It's not what I thought I would be walking into. And so that aspect, it was a bit of a surprise. If that's not something that you're down for, if you're not into the kind of black comedies that are out there, um, then 
you know, I would avoid this if you would. You may not be your style, or or maybe just red box it or something. But uh, otherwise, uh, check it out because it's um, it's surprisingly funny and cool and just uh, you know you root for this guy, but not like you would in a drama. You root for him like you would any dork fumbling his way through anything uh, in any kind of dark comedy that's out there. So yeah, I mean, go check it out. It's not gonna do too well. Uh, in the box office, I can tell you now because of all the controversy surrounding Liam Neeson. I'm not even going to get into that, honestly, uh, because to me it's a moot point and totally understandable uh, where he's coming from on that one. I, I believe if I would have probably done something similar. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, go see it while you can. Otherwise, uh, when it comes out, enjoy it. It is a remake of a 2014 Nor- Norwegian vigilante film called In the Order of Disappearance, uh, directed by the same guy, uh, and pretty much is follows along the same vein. So they just, you know, Americanized it. Um, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't. I don't want to see the original. This one did a great job, and it's Liam Neeson in the snow. Um, that's all I really care about. Moving on to the next film is The Prodigy. And no, I don't mean the Twisted Firestarter. Um, I'm not going to go smack my bitch up or anything like that with this film. This film is a horror movie. And in, in its its wiki, has got to be like the shortest one. <laughs> it's one sentence. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. It's two sentences. That's two sentences. Um, I'll read it to you. Miles is a young boy who shows signs of genius intellect. But almost more disturbing and sinister behaviors. Sarah, his mother, takes him to a therapist and begins to suspect that he may be influenced or possessed by a supernatural force. This is the 2019 version of Omen. Uh, for those of you who are like me that grew up on the Omen series, um, you know, this kid is, uh, there's, he's got evil inside of him, evil surrounds him, evil stuff happens. And it's all evil, evil, evil. Uh, it is nice to see Taylor Schilling outside of the uh, Orange is the New Black series. Uh, but honestly, she should just go back to it because she does not do a good job acting here, in my opinion. Uh, she doesn't sell me on, on as the mom here. Uh, it was kind of cool. Uh, a couple of jump starts. Um, I'm not a real jumper in the movies. Uh, but I've see, I saw a lot of other people reacting to it. Uh, so for that part, you know, I'll give it its props. But it's it's a wannabe Omen film. And uh, because of that, I was not too impressed with it. Um, no surprise endings, no nothing new like that. It's pretty cut and dry the way it goes. And you're not uh, taken aback by anything that happens. Um, but if you want, it's a good date movie, I suppose. If you guys, if you want to take a girl out that you've never known on a first date and want to make sure that she understands that you guys are never having kids, then take her to this movie because it'll solidify that moment for her. And <laughs> you can just, you know, enjoy her jumping into your, your arms and, and be cool with it or him or whatever your tastes are. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, it's not going to not gonna do anything if you miss out on it. So there you have it, The Prodigy, a solid me for me. Uh, the Lego Movie 2, the second part. We all saw the Lego Movie 1, right? Everything is awesome. Um, don't ask me ever to do that again. Well, this film is the sequel to it. I, you know, about 
was on the third trailer uh, while seeing this film, you know, the, the trailers that played before it. So around the third trailer of this movie, I began to ask myself and realize how the first movie ended um, with them realizing, you know, the with the, the Will Ferrell, uh, showing, it's showing Will Ferrell as, as the, the, the adult that's been putting these pieces together. And, you know, it hands it over to his kids so they can all play Legos. And it's all in real world. So I was like, how is this going to be played off with that? And, you know, with that happening. And and so they showed me how it played off. And uh, it was um, um, stupid. <laughs> it was, it was kind of stupid, yeah. This movie is, is brilliant. And the effects of seeing all the Legos and stuff like that, but the magic, and and the beauty and the the, the childlike endearment that you had in, in the original film, is gone in this movie. They, they tried to beat a dead horse. They went to the well one too many times. Use whatever colloquialism you want to use here. At the end of the day, it 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 did nothing for me, and in a way, hurt the first film which is unfortunate uh, the voice talent is spectacular in this movie Chris Pratt Elizabeth Banks Will Arnett Charlie Day Allison Brie Nick Offerman Will Ferrell Tiffany Haddish Stephanie Beatrice and Maya Rudolph uh, all showing up in the film and but there's like it's not it just it just wasn't you know it wasn't the first film and if, if, yeah, if if you hold the first film in any type of high regard, this movie might tarnish that. So you may want to try and possibly avoid it, or you know, just it, it'll probably be good background music. Um, now it was cool for Jason Momoa to show up as Aquaman, but all he does is make the same sounds as he did in in his movies. So <laughs> it wasn't really like. You know, anything else. But I'm sure he's enjoying the heck out of being Aquaman. Otherwise, you're not really going to miss much. Uh, Kobe Smulders, Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum, Richard Iode showing up. Uh, Brooklyn Prince. Um, man, who else? Ike Barinholtz, Ray Fiennes, Will Forte, uh, Bruce Willis, Ben Schwartz, Jimmy O. Yang, Noel Fielding, uh, Cheryl Swoops. Yeah, I, I could go on. There's so many names on this. And I, 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 actually, I can't because I just finished them. Anyway, uh, yeah, it wasn't as, as special. Now, if you saw this without seeing the first one, then I think you'll be happy. But having seen the first one going into the second one, you know they're just trying to beat that dead horse really, really violently and as often as they can. So, Speaking of which, let's talk about the next film, shall we? What Men Want. Wow, this movie sucked. It was, if you've seen the original What Women Want with Mel Gibson and, and Holly Hunter, was it, was it Holly Hunter? Bonnie Hunt? Um, I don't remember her name. I'm not even going to bother looking it up. Actually, no, I will because it's just a mouse click away. <laughs> Helen Hunt, that's her name. Uh, Marissa Tomei, Lauren Holly, uh, Ellen Alda, Sarah Paulson. That was the original, and that was with... Uh, or Mel Gibson, you know, conks his head and he can suddenly hear what women want. And he tries to use that to his advantage in both 
love and work. And so this is the female version of that story where uh, Taraji P. Henson, you know, hits her head, can hear men's thoughts and uses that to her advantage. And so in that aspect, you're, you're basically seeing the exact same thing except from her point of view uh, on this side. Um, I, I was not impressed at all. I knew what I was getting into when I saw this movie. Don't get me wrong. I went and saw it uh, just because I had nothing to do that night. I'm being honest. Uh, so I thought, well, you know, it's I'll, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Um, even if I didn't like it, I can talk about it on the podcast. And here I am talking about it on the podcast. There's no point in this movie. If you've seen the first one, you've seen this one. Uh, it may f- favor more toward uh, uh, the type of crowd that Taraji P. Hansen, you know, the more African-American black crowd uh, that's out there. But otherwise, it's not, and even then, it's not any good. Her acting is rushed and hyper. I mean, it feels like she's on cocaine the entire time she's doing this film. Um, and, you know, Tracy Morgan, I'm a little burnt out on him. He's just, yeah. Anyway, um, what else can I say about this movie? There's no point in me hanging on it. It's not something you want to bother to see. It's nice seeing Aldous Hodge in a film, and he was cool as Aldous Hodge. I mean, he did a great job. For you, those of you who don't recognize the name, he was in Leverage. You know, he was the geek in Leverage. So I like when I see him in other films because, you know, I'm a big fan of his now. Uh, it's nice seeing Brian Bosworth getting out there. You know, the boss. But otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you do see it, stay through the credits because there's some cool stuff that happens. That's not really cool. It's just the stuff that happens. Uh, Moving on to Alita Battle Angel. Now, this is uh, probably one of the most anticipated films uh, that have come out in this quarter, like the beginning of the year type quarter film movie. Uh, High action high effect crazy madness cyberpunk action film uh, written by James Cameron and Leda uh, Kahlo Gritis, uh produced by Cameron and John Landau but directed by Robert Rodriguez Alita Battle Angel we've all seen the trailers Alita is this uh, cyborg that was found in the trash uh, put together by Christoph Waltz and it turns out that she's more than what you bargained for and, um, yeah, I mean, seeing it on the big screen, on the bigger format screen, uh, we saw it on the Cine One, I think on the IMAX, it might be pretty awesome. Uh, it was pretty cool. The effects were really, really good. Um, the action was really cool. Uh, it was just really fun. And th- But that's about it. The, it feels like, remember when you saw the Harry Potter film, the first Harry Potter film? after reading the books for so long, and you realize that, that important parts in the book were barely mentioned or skimmed over in the movie, if mentioned at all. Sometimes a lot of important parts were just background or hung up on a wall some, somewhere or a random character walking by who had a chapter in the, in the book is now just a character walking by in a cameo. That's what Alita Battle Angel felt like. Like, they had a lot of history and a lot of story to work with. And they tried to cram it into two hours and 20 minutes worth of film. And there you have it. It was choppy. It was rushed. It was, there was so much that was just 
left behind in empty spaces that it, it felt, you know, it, it just was discombobulated. Uh, a lot of people have been saying that it was muddled. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you're looking for anything deeper than a eye candy film, then uh, you're going to be setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, and it made itself, I mean, it ends on a cliffhanger of all things. So you know sequels are coming. This is James Cameron. The guy is making five Avatar movies. So, of course, he likes sequels. You know, his best sequel of to date is still Terminator 2. But at some point in time, if you're watching this in 3D, you're going to feel like you're watching the Transformers live-action films on, on screen because there's so many tiny, small details and so much action, so much blurry, fast-moving stuff going on that you find that it's hard to focus on anything except the really silly-looking random human faces surrounded by all this technology. Imagine uh, the ter Terminator and the skeleton uh, wearing the Michael Myers mask. You know what I mean? It's just, it seems silly and out of place. Um, Robocop did a better job, in my opinion, uh, of, of incorporating that, making it more seamless. This, it, it just, it is what it is. Other than that, like, it was a real fun film. I wouldn't mind seeing it again. I mean, I might put on some headphones and listen to something while I'm watching it. <laughs> but uh, it, it is what it is, and you're going to get what you get out of it, so. And finally, moving on to the last movie, I, I feel like like there was no, nothing good I said about any of the movies, and I, I apologize for that. It just was what it is. All right, so the last movie is Happy Death Day to You. For those of you who saw the original, the first one, Happy Death Day, um, you know exactly what this movie is going to be like-ish. I saw, I you know, I didn't go see Happy Death Day in the theaters. I saw it on Netflix when it was on there or one of the streaming films, streaming channels. And, uh, you know, I was just bored one day, came across and said, yeah, well, I've heard some stuff about it. I'll watch it. And I was pleasantly surprised by this movie uh, because of the originality that it brought forth in it. And it made a horror movie, it made the horror genre, movie genre, a little bit more, uh, a little updated, but a little bit more cool. You know, it's like when you first uh, see the first Scream movie and you recognize that they're trying to make Ghostface into a new horror movie icon and then they successfully did it. This is what that feels like, this series, and that they're making the Babyface Killer a new horror movie icon uh, by adding some, you know, Groundhog Day effects into it. So here we are with the sequel. All of the seriousness and, and slasher film stuff that made the original so popular uh, is gone. It's completely gone. Uh, whatever scary parts this movie, the original movie may have brought upon itself, jump scares, uh, violence, stuff like that, uh, has given way to a new science fiction black comedy film. It is no longer, like, you're not really worried that anybody's going to die at all. You're more worried about her time traveling and going into... Uh, yeah, I can't. Even, I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it away. But it is no longer a horror movie. 
there's even a really extended part. It's like 10, 15 minutes of the movie where it's just pure emotions. Uh, like you're watching The Notebook or something <laughs> in here. And it just leaves its horror movie roots behind. There's some spreckles of it here and there, but it just it, it, it just dumps it. In the first 10 minutes, it dumps it completely and is now a sci-fi film. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's more funnier. It's funnier than the original. There were some really cool and iconic death scenes, which is what you really go to see these kind of movies for. But the iconic death scenes weren't done by the killer. They were done by uh, the victims. So, yeah, there you have it. I didn't mind it, honestly. I liked it. I thought it was really cool the way that they did things, and I'm a big sucker for time travel, uh, especially sci-fi films. Um, there's a big giveaway in that in the in the main room, you know, where where uh, where the girl and wakes up, and you know, every morning in the same place in the same bed. I didn't realize that on the back of the wall behind her's a big Back to the Future poster. Hello, foreshadowing. Um, but yeah. They even talk about Back to the Future in the movie because it's all time traveling madness. The the cool thing is this picks up immediately after the first one ends. Immediately after. She's wearing the same clothes, everything. It's just boom right there. So you're not really lost on anything that's gone on between then and now. But there you have it. I don't want to say yay and I'm not saying boo. I'm just saying eh. But I don't want you guys going in thinking, ooh, horror movie, because you're going to walk out disappointed. Just like all the other people that were in the theater that walked out, and they were just bashing it when they were on the way out. Just like the, the, the three-year-old girl that was in the row next to me laughing at the film instead of being scared and horrified, and me being mortified that there's a three-year-old girl sitting next to me in a, movie the- in a horror movie theater. Um, this one is okay to bring the kids. Because they barely even curse, and there's no nudity, but there's no blood, there's nothing. It's sci-fi. There you go. So there you have it, folks. Six movies. One episode. 22 minutes. All right. Uh, I want to remind everybody again, please uh, uh, find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Find me all over the place. I am everywhere. I, I started a new coffee account, Ko-Fi coffee account. Uh, uh as you know, anybody a little bit helps if you can. Uh, buy me a cup of coffee or iced tea. I really appreciate it. You can find it under Five One Five Labs. I know there's all these names you gotta try to remember, but um, every little bit helps out. Helps me get some more equipment for the show. Uh, eventually, I want to make some T-shirts and stickers and whatnot, and try to do some really cool stuff with with everything we got going on here. So, thanks everybody for tuning in, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>